Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Mean Streets, powered by F and C. And I'm your host, Chris Meany. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to hang out. This is episode 11, the Carson Wentz, Norm Van Brocklin episode for you Bird fans out there. Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, two of the best to ever do it. Two absolute goats. Alex Smith, number 11, going to take over the reins in Washington. A brutal, ugly injury from Kyle Allen. Over to baseball on the diamond, Edgar Martinez, but Barry Larkin probably trumps Edgar Martinez, let's be honest. Isaiah Thomas on the hard court. Lost a little bit of respect for Isaiah Thomas when I watched The Last Dance. I think, you know, Jordan was taking some shots at him, but it was deserved because I didn't like the fact that he didn't shake his hand. I just didn't didn't like it. And it took offense to that. But I also felt a little bad for Isaiah Thomas because he really should have been on the dream team. Yao Ming, number 11. Tall dude, Yao Ming, for sure. Mark Messier, one of the best to wear. Number 11 on the ice. My faves, Kirk Muller, Saku Koivu, Brendan Gallagher. Saku who? Come on. Episode number 11 just happens to be the combined wins from Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, and Jack Nicholas at the Masters through 1960 to 1978. Love the Masters. It's Masters week. We're just a couple sleeps away from opening round, round one on Thursday. Lots of great Masters content over at FTNDaily.com, FTNBets.com. Honestly, uh, there's a ton that I've read today, and we have a promo happening right now before. You got to get in before round one. We're running out of time here. Just the Masters, promo code THEMASTERS, 20% off all the content. The guys got their bets in already, and they're absolutely sharp if you're into dfs you want to even play in a master's pool because there's a few master's pools floating around out there as well so 20 percent off use that promo code you're going to get all of the goods we'll talk some masters on the next episode of mean streets i got a guest for us lined up on this show i'm going to talk some nfl it's a multi-sport show, but again, NFL. The waiver wire is super thin, honestly. It's a lot of the few guys we've just been talking about nonstop here on this show. And if you've been following the work over at FTN, you know already I love Jacoby Myers. Got him on the board. Had him on the board last week. Uh, been all over his prop total. 3.5 was his prop, his catch prop total from last night. 3.5? Are you absolutely kidding me? It was 2.5 the week before. There's nobody else there. <laughs> There's no one else there. But we'll run through the waiver wire. I got some takeaways. 
uh, a few statistics that I wanted to bring up and what it means going forward. And we'll take an early look at week 10 and just go over quickly uh, my picks from week nine and, and take a look, like I said, at week 10 and some early lines, some early games that I'm that I'm feeling. So week nine takeaways. Let's start with the Chargers. Another heartbreaking loss for the Chargers. Oh, my goodness. Ugh. I mean, how many more losses can they take like this? 14 one-possession losses since the start of 2019. Leads the NFL by far. Brutal coaching, brutal, brutal play calling. Love Justin Herbert in the future, where it's going. Uh, just, yikes. It's it's tough. It's tough to... I would imagine it's really tough to cheer for that team. We lost Jeff Feinberg. We don't have to, actually. He knows. KC... 29 carries over their last two games, only 80 rushing yards over that span. Mahomes, 788 passing yards, nine touchdowns in his last two games. He's absolutely unleashing. He looks brilliant. Odds on favor to win the MVP. This is his. I know Russell Wilson's going to get some votes, and he's never won MVP, and I don't think he's actually ever even had a vote, if you can believe that. But four turnovers over the weekend. This is looking like Mahomes MVP, but just want to talk about that backfield quickly. So week nine, five for 14, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Bell, four for eight, Hill, one for eight, week eight, CEH, six for 21. They were blowing out. I believe the Broncos was a brutal weather game. So they were resting some of their guys. Um, So that's why Thompson, four for three and Williams, three for 19, but Bell, six for six for seven. So CEH and Bell have combined for 50 rushing yards over the past two games. I don't know if I'd even hold on to Bell in shallow leagues. Definitely wouldn't start him. I said last week you had to be in a brutal spot to start him. I just, I'm not feeling him. He was the sell-high candidate the minute that he was flipped to KC. You're not going to get anything from him now. You just don't cut him. You can stash him, I suppose, or hold him on the bench just in case anything happened to CEH. He would be, um, you know, an RB1. He really would be a low-end RB1. It's just a crowded backfield right now between those two. I like Clyde edwards Lair more. I would hold on to him. Maybe you can buy low with the Casey being on a buy. Maybe you can just pluck him off a, you know, an owner who is in a tough spot and needs a running back to play this week. So keep that in mind. Later on in the week, going to really dive into some trade targets. Take a look at the next couple weeks a little bit closer and just hold that magnifying glass over week 14, 15, and 16 in fantasy football playoffs. Uh, help you guys be able to make some trades because I know one of my league's trade deadline is uh, Thursday and then most of them I believe are next week so you're really running out of time to make some deals uh, in fantasy football if you want to and and again I've said it before you really have to take advantage of your of your league mates teams that are on by the Jets nobody has a jet KC uh, Dallas Atlanta maybe Julio Amari Cooper uh, I wouldn't imagine anyone's trading Hill or Kelsey, but there's a couple players on those teams that could probably have maybe Todd Gurley potentially. Uh, you never know how desperate your owners are, so check in on them, especially if you're in a really, really good spot in your standings. Two and Kyler, how fun was that? That was great. I was saying that I was looking forward to this one. It was my game of the week for me. I know a lot of people, Saints and Bucks, I was up there too, but that game was awful. That was pathetic. But Tua and Kyler, Tua Tagovailoa, Kyler Murray, one and two in Heisman voting in 2018. Only the fifth time ever, two quarterbacks, one and two in Heisman voting, facing off against each other in the NFL. And it, you know, it really lived up to all of the hype. But Tua Tagovailoa was great 20 for 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, seven for 35 on the ground. Had a couple nice runs. I don't know if we can expect that from week to week, but it was nice to see, right? He's trusting the hip and a couple nice jukes and head fakes. And he made a couple really nice runs. 
you know, he's he's not yet in that QB1 territory, but now he's definitely somebody that you can feel great about starting as a, as a quarterback two in super flex leagues. Chargers this week, Broncos, Jets, Bengals, KC. It's not bad. Those are some pretty good matchups. Could get into a bit of a high pace game this week against the Chargers and then against the Chiefs. So I thought his favorite target in that game, I said I was looking forward to him throwing a little bit more. I knew Kyler would have to force Tua to throw the football a little bit more, and we, we did see that. Preston looked like his guy early on, but Patrick Peterson was on Devontae Parker. So four for 60, five targets for Williams, had the touchdown, left the game, was carted off with a foot injury. X-ray is negative. We'll keep an eye on him. I still really like uh, Preston. I'm intrigued. Uh, I think that's going to be his his go-to guy. But, you know, Parker's really always going to get a lot of the attention, but I'm looking at these matchups coming up, and there's no real corner that I'm afraid of on those teams. So it could be Parker and Williams, could be both of those guys. It was nice to see maybe Gusecki, you know, not as involved as, you know, you'd like to see, but still um, you know, getting a little bit of work. As for Kyler, four touchdowns, one on the ground, 106 rushing yards. No running back had 100 rushing yards in week nine. This guy just continues to get it done. One plus passing touchdown and one plus rushing touchdown in seven of his eight games. Nobody's ever had eight games like that. So all he needs to do is have one more game with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. I think he does it. Don't you? I think he does it. Eight rushing touchdowns, uh, the most ever by a quarterback in a Super Bowl era through the first nine weeks of the season. Got to give a shout out to my guy, Brad Ziegler. Uh, yes, former baseball player. Used to do a show with him over at The Athletic. And before Kyler even stepped on an NFL field, he said he would have a thousand rushing yards on his resume in a season very, very soon. He actually had a bold prediction that it would be in his rookie year. I laughed. Uh, but listen, man. You're not far off, Brad. Looks like a pretty good call by you. Kyler looks unreal. CMC returned and could be gone just like that. Hopefully not, but so much for splitting touches and splitting the series with Mike Davis. Uh, He finished with a week high 33 opportunities. Uh, He picked up where he left off. In my opinion, we all had his over at FTN, his rushing prop. Unfortunately, I didn't get that on the show because I did the show so early, it popped up on Saturday. This is why you need to follow FTN Alerts or just have an FTN betting account. Use the promo code MEANY. Uh, yeah, honestly, it, it does really does pay for itself. There's a lot of just guys are absolutely crushing it over at FTN. But we all had the rushing prop at 50.5, the over, and we got it pretty early, uh, easily too. I believe he had 48 rushing yards at half. He had 10 targets, 10 catches for 82 yards. He looked like the CMC of old, to be honest with you. He had a touchdown. But he suffered the shoulder injury. Mike Davis got some play towards the end, but it was only because, you know, CMC left. But at the same time, I want to hammer home this point because I write an article on Wednesday, trade targets, and I take a look at the most dropped players, most added, just some transaction trends on CBS, ESPN, Fantrax, Yahoo, all those leagues. And what I had noticed in, from looking at all that was the top three dropped running backs, Mike Davis, Miles Sanders, and Giovanni Bernard. It's huge mistakes, in my opinion. And already, like, if CMC comes back this week, fine, great. But if he doesn't and you dropped him, that's a huge burn. You're dropping a top five, potential top five back if CMC is out. We've already seen what he's what he can do when there's no Christian McCaffrey on the field. This is the time of the year. Yeah, if you're super desperate, ugh, I guess I get it. You need to start shallow benches. I guess, kind of. But at least try to flip him to a CMC owner for somebody, anything. Um, But this is the time of the year heading into fantasy football playoffs where you need to protect your investment. You need to have home run players on your bench in case anything happens. 
we already saw Boston Scott, what he could do without Miles Sanders. It looks like Sanders is potentially going to come back this week. He's going to practice. We don't know if he's going to play. It could be another Boston Scott week against the Giants. He just had a game a couple weeks ago where he was a borderline RB1 against the Giants. Joe Mixon, we don't know if he's going to come back. Giovanni Bernard, same thing. He's already had two solid games, though, Joe Mixon. Keep these guys. You don't know if they're going to suffer a setback or an injury is going to recur. Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, these are guys that still feel the same. Yeah, they've had dead games when they've had to fill in, like Madison and Latavius Murray in the past, but volume, opportunity, good offenses. Minnesota has a true identity. They want to run the rock. If anything, again, happens to Dalvin Cook, who's been hurt multiple times over the short course of his career, he could fall into being a at least an RB2, right? I mean, there was guys who had 15 fantasy points this week and were top five running backs. It's, it's not great out there. Uh, you know, I was taking a look at at ADPs and where guys are finishing and I was chatting with a couple buddies. It's like, oh, Zeke, he's a, he's a definite bust. Well, he's, he's a top 10 running back right now. So is he a definite bust? He's been brutal lately, but the landscape of the running back position is so pathetic that you just need to keep these guys on your bench. If you can like Chase Edmonds, 33 opportunities. You would think he'd be much better in the full workload. Maybe he's just better getting a handful of touches. I don't truly believe that. I think he's better than Kenyon Drake, but it's all about opportunity. And for Chase Edmonds, he played 95% of the snaps. It was a week high. Nobody played more snaps than him. DJ Foster had, I think I got it down here, five snaps, and he touched the ball twice. It's his backfield. It's nice to see. That same type of thing would happen with Davis and Scott and Mixon and Madison, and Latavius. Just protect your investment. Start planning now for fantasy playoffs. If an injury happens, you need to be able to have that next man up type of deal. And Duke Johnson, even though I think he stinks, is that next man up. We'll get to him in a little bit. More takeaways from week nine. Bills making a statement. Josh Allen, 31 for 38, 415, four touchdowns, had the rushing touchdown. I don't know what Pete Carroll's comments were all about after the game. He said he was shocked that they just abandoned the run. Is he not paying attention to what his defense has done this season? Josh Allen's just the sixth quarterback through nine weeks. Six different quarterbacks have thrown at least 300 yards against Seattle. That just, to me, those comments were ridiculous. It sounds like he got outcoached. Yeah, Moss had nine carries and Singletary had two carries. Moss, by the way, another better game than Singletary. Two catches, Singletary had the three grabs. Moss getting some work in the red zone, had the rushing touchdown. But again, Pete Carroll, pay attention. You need to game plan better. Everybody is throwing all over you. I don't know if you caught the last episode, but I rattled rattled off 14 different wide receivers who had over 80 yards against them. And John Brown and Diggs absolutely balled out. And they're a complete mess. Nobody is allowing more passing yards than the Seattle Seahawks. Pay attention. That's all I got to say. I know you're obviously smarter than me. He's an NFL coach, but I'm shocked that he was shocked that they didn't want to throw the football against them. Crazy. It's crazy talk. I, I, I can't get over it. Extension, though. He got an extension. Chicago's longest run of the day was a fake punt by linebacker Barcavius Mingo. 11 yards. Dave Montgomery left. Concussion. Not good, man. Dave Montgomery. <laughs> I keep making excuses for the guy, but I, I'm running out of them. We could see Lamar Miller this week. Uh, Montgomery left with a concussion. It's the Monday Night Football game. If you're a Montgomery owner, you really probably need to, to get involved here. Uh, we'll touch on that back in a little bit, but uh, I'd be looking elsewhere probably. Daniel Jones, 36 turnovers in 22 games. None. He had none. 
Zero turnovers in week nine. The first time this season and just the second time out of his 22 games in his career where he hasn't had a turnover. Both, ironically, have come against Washington. DJ Chark, seven grabs, 146 yards, and a touchdown, a 73-yard strike from Jake Luton. Luton looked all right, man. He looked great. That was the third play of the game, opening drive. He had five deep balls to Chark. Three of them were catchable. This is good stuff. This is great news. Didn't know if they would make things simple with just James Robinson, who had another great day, uh, 25 for 99 in the touchdown. But, uh, you know, I thought a heavy dose of Robinson, which has been the case most of the year, and maybe just some short throws, keeping it simple. But listen, Luton relied on his best weapon in Chark, and that's just really good to see. He had 31% of the targets. That's unbelievable. Going forward, I like the matchups. Green Bay is tough this this week. Jair Alexander is probably going to be on Chark. But after that, like the Texans a couple times, I believe, and then Titans. So so decent decent spots for, for DJ Chark. I would hold. I know people are probably like, okay, now's my time to sell. I would hold. I, the volume is everything, and he's going to get it. I think he's a wide receiver three, at least, isn't he? I feel like he is. But Luton did good. Uh, you know, he was down 27-19 under three minutes to go. He had an 80-yard drive, which uh, he capped off with a 13-yard rushing touchdown. 26 for 38, 304 and a touchdown. He finished as um, a borderline QB1. A decent day for him. Herbert, just that heartbreaking loss wasn't on him. I thought it was a beautiful throw. It was just a drop ball. Most passing yards by a rookie in their first seven starts since 1950, passing Cam Newton's 2,103 yards. And as for Cam Newton, uh, two rushing touchdowns, but he has not thrown more than one touchdown pass since December 2018. Yikes. Uh, And it's been like since week two since he's thrown a passing touchdown. Uh, Brady was not bench, but sitting on the bench, and Jameis was getting some snaps. That's how that game went between the Bucks and the Saints. That was ugly, wasn't it? The Saints, I guess they're just the Bucks kryptonite, Tom Brady's kryptonite. I don't know, but it's tough to beat anybody three times in a year, but we could uh, see them face off another time. Picks, the three picks from Brady, unreal. I got uh, a tweet here from NFL Research, Tom Brady, three interceptions in a game since the first time. Uh, 2011. That's a, a streak snapped of 145 consecutive games with 10 plus passing attempts and fewer than three interceptions. The longest such streak by any player since 1950. My final takeaway from week nine, the Jets tried to lose. Don't tell me the Jets tried and didn't try to lose that game. 12 men on the field like that, just given the first down to New England, they couldn't even capitalize anyways. I just thought that was... Uh, a huge yikes. A, a huge yikes for sure. Uh, a few more takeaways for me. I just finishes for the week. This is how kind of wacky it was. Like Kyler, great QB1, 23 fantasy points at least in every single start. Drew Locke, QB4. Drew Locke's turned out to be a decent fantasy quarterback without Corton Sutton uh, on, on his team. And some injuries really all year. Past couple weeks have been good anyways. QB4, two weeks in a row he's finished as a top 10 quarterback in fantasy. Luton, QB13. Lamar Jackson, QB 17. Richie James, your wide receiver one. No Bourne, no Samuel, no Kittle. Looks like Bourne and Samuel probably return. It was just a one-week thing. DJ Chark, wide receiver four. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver five. Christian Kirk, wide receiver 10. Has a touchdown streak um, on the go. Three games in a row. Five over that span. Six in his last five. Mike Evans, 
Marshawn Lattimore had that talk on Friday. It wasn't all Lattimore, but wide receiver 42 on the week. Just not getting it done. He's just not getting the volume, and Antonio Brown is there now. I'm worried about Evans. I think that you know Godwin and Brown are a little bit safer. Evans turning to be really touchdown reliant or dependent. Uh, 64, wide receiver 64, Marquise Brown. Three straight games, 10 or fewer fantasy points. I wouldn't start him. I, I don't know what I would do with him. I don't think I would start him. I definitely know that I wouldn't start him moving forward until I saw something. Hopkins, 47, wide receiver, 47. Xavier Howard was all over him. Three three targets, three grabs, 30 yards. That's why it was Chark. And that's why, or why it was Kirk. This is kind of why I like Kirk a little bit. You know, obviously you get that big bomb. Seems like every single week, Kyler takes a shot on him, a big bomb down the field. But also the top corner is going to be on Hopkins. So, you know, that's great for Kirk. And then Adam Thielen, wide receiver at 48. It was the Dalvin Cook show there. J.D. McKissick, RB3. Kalen Balaj, RB4. Just had to leave Adam Gase. Wayne Gallman, RB9. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker, both top 15 RBs. Booker, RB15. Jacobs, RB10. Zach Moss, as I mentioned, another touchdown, RB14. That just goes to show how weak it was because... Moss didn't even have a great day. Yeah, he scored a touchdown, but to finish as a borderline RB1, this goes to show the week was was pretty bad for running backs. Derrick Henry, RB37. James Conner, RB48. This has to be the biggest bust of the week. Nine for 22, two catches, negative two yards. McFarland, five touches. Snell getting some touches. Uh, not totally concerned for James Conner, but that was a smash spot, and it just didn't work out for him. Melvin Gordon, 14 carries, 44 yards. Uh, just... Not a big fan of of Melvin Gordon. I wonder when we're going to stop seeing Melvin Gordon and we're going to get a, a little bit more from... I, I just had to look and I had it in my notes. Yeah, so that was 14 yards, 46 carries over the past two weeks for Melvin Gordon, not just 14 for 44. You would think that would be, okay, fine, 14 for 44, take my four points and move on. But that's what Gordon has done over the last two weeks. Let's start to give Lindsay a little bit more play. Can we? Can we? Let's do it. Irv Smith, tight end four for the week. Only two grabs, both of them four touchdowns. But he is starting to trend up. I know like they run the ball a lot there in Minnesota, and, and Rudolph is on the field, and they're blocking. But uh, Irv is starting to run a few more routes. He's interesting to me. I you know Probably not to the point where we start him in redraft leagues, but if in, in dynasty leagues, I'd be trying to look into you know potentially getting him, depending on your format. Uh, Mark Andrews, tight end 27, 15 fantasy points over his last four weeks, six or fewer in five of his seven games, fewer than 30 yards in five of eight games. Not good. Over to my picks. Uh, got all the totals, the over Seattle Buffalo, got that pretty easily. Denver, Atlanta, just sweat that out, got that late. Vegas and the Chargers got that as well. Moneyline got Baltimore, Minnesota, did not get Seattle. As you see, they burned me with the pro with the over my money line and then on my parlay and my teaser, they just flat out burn me. Again, statement game for the Bills. They just really kicked their butts. Didn't get any of my spreads. Chiefs by 10, Pittsburgh by 14, Houston by 6.5. Maybe next time I won't come in with big spreads like that. Uh, so not great on the picks overall, 5-4. and four. Uh, But 4-1 on the props. It brings me to 9-5 and five there on the week, 35-24 overall in this show. Not bad. The props, uh, you know, been good, so that's that's a positive. Got the lock. I didn't get the locket over sixty eight and a half. We got Will Fuller sixty one point five wide receiver ten on the season. One hundred twelve yards or a touchdown in every game this year, but one the one game that he left early with an injury. Six TDs 
in a row. Six games in a row with a touchdown. Darren Waller over four and a half. Didn't get that one easily, but it's it seems like every week Waller gets five grabs. So I'll always take that over on four and a half. Jerry Judy's catch prop was just way too low, as I said on the show on Friday. 3.5 that the over there. He's just, the past couple of weeks have been really good. A lot of targets, a lot of volume, running crisp routes. Looks money, like the matchup against against um, the Raiders this week. And then Stefan Diggs, over 70 yards, got that one as well. So as we head into Week 10, Stefan Diggs leads the NFL with 91 targets, 61 grabs, 813 yards in 15 games of the Vikings last year. Diggs had two more catches than what he has now, three more targets than what he has now, a boatload more yards, 300 more but 73 per game, and he's averaging 90 per game right now. So it looks like he's going to um, just really blow past a lot of his numbers from last year. And just, a, you know, on Fantasy Pros, expert consensus wide receiver 27. I'll admit I was low on him. I don't think that low in the 20s, though. Uh, but for him to be a top five wide out, really returning value. Um, so, yeah, 90 yards per game this season, only 12.9 yards per catch compared to 17.9 in Minnesota. But... Uh, you know, you got to be happy you're you're getting more more catches, you know, more value in PPR leagues. Uh, he's looked really good. As for the injuries, I already mentioned CMC, shoulder, day-to-day. It was looking like he was going to miss some time, but I think it's positive news. Justin Jackson left on the first drive. I looked up and Kalen Balazs was carrying the ball. It was, what the hell is going on? I had Justin Jackson at DFS. Season long, it was disappointing. I had his over uh, uh, prop uh, over 50. Didn't obviously get that. Dave Montgomery mentioned the concussion. Cordell Patterson, three for 13. Ryan Nall, no carries, four grabs for 35 yards. Had the touchdown. Not a huge fan of of really either of these guys. Uh, I don't think we'll get a whole lot out of them moving forward, uh, even if Montgomery does miss a couple weeks. It, again, it's a Monday night game. I, I guess Null in a deeper league in a, in a PPR format, but you know Lamar Miller may be that sneaky guy that you can get for zero bucks. Uh, don't spend a top claim on him. You know, if you have a top claim, maybe you can just wake up early in the morning and, and grab him. He he could potentially be activated. and He could be the guy. David Johnson concussion. Duke Johnson. Uh, time for maybe potentially him to step up in a revenge game, which doesn't matter because Duke's best game would be like 12 yards. <laughs> Taking shots at Duke Johnson. Um, but nonetheless, it looks like he could potentially get a, a full workload. Chanel hamstring could come back. Mentioned Preston Williams foot, Jack Doyle concussion, Big Ben COVID. Now there's a couple Steelers placed on the on the COVID list, but for Big Ben, all he needs is a couple negative tests, I think five in a row. Uh, so if we'll know by Saturday, if he's going to be able to play and his knees, both, he hurt both of his knees, but apparently just bruises, he, he should be able to play as long as he keeps getting those negative tests. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. And then Kyle Allen with the ankle injury, uh, he's done for the season. So that is all the injuries kind of brings me to next man up here on the waiver wire. Gus, uh, Gus Edwards is near the top of my list. Uh, I would actually go J.D. McKissick over him. I just don't know if you know, a lot of people own J.D. McKissick. I've been talking about him a lot. You're probably sick of, of J.D. McKissick. He had the down week before the bye, so potentially he was dropped. He had that down week because Washington was, you know, they were up in the game. They're not going to be up in games too often, even though they have a couple on their schedule where they could maybe hang around and it would just be Antonio Gibson. But what I've noticed from Alex Smith is he likes to check down. And 30% of his throws have been to J.D. McKissick. McKissick's season-high 14 targets, 9 grabs, 65 yards in Week 9. So, again, Washington only ran the ball 9 times. They were playing from behind. That benefits McKissick and not Gibson. So it's tough to really project 
Washington being up in a lot of games. So I still think that JD McKissick is a borderline flex play in PPR leagues. Played 84% of the snaps. was pretty surprising. The most, uh, second most snaps out of any back. Edmonds up at the top at 95, but at least six catches, six targets and 40 receiving yards in four of his past five games, at least 37 receiving yards in five games this season. Um, So, you know, again, PPR option for you. He would be at the top of my list. I think he's got more long-term value than Gus Edwards, but I don't know about Mark Ingram. If he comes back, it's just going to be a mess again, but Edwards is getting that goal line work. Edwards was, Edwards fumbled against the Colts and then a couple drives later got three goal line carries in a row and was stuffed two times in a row. And I was like, where is Dobbins? Why aren't they trying Dobbins? And they just left Gus Edwards in there. So Gus Bus is clearly the guy that they trust the most inside the red zone, even after that fumble. And this brings me to Duke Johnson would be next on my rankings here, but it's just a one week thing. That's it. It's a one week replacement. And then we're going to be able to get David Johnson back. The thing with Duke is he had, he had 16 carries last week, which is a career high for him. He doesn't do a whole lot with them. 2.6 yards per rushing attempt. He fumbled. He got the rushing touchdown at the end, which saved his day. I say this all the time. Volume is is everything in fantasy football. So at least he's going to have that. He caught all four of his targets. He's had campaigns before where he's had 40 catches on them. So he could he could be a guy that, you know, this week maybe touches the ball 20 times. And that's valuable. We just don't know. I wouldn't suggest spending all your fat. If you're a DJ owner, David Johnson, that is. Then maybe you can spend a little bit more, be a bit riskier, more bolder to try to get him because then you have one of the other. But if you, you know, you spend all like you did on Matt Breda, like myself, and then all of a sudden David Johnson is on the practice field on Thursday and Friday, then, you know, you spend all that money and, and it's a bit of a waste. But he would be next man up if, if David Johnson can't go. I was taking a look at Duke just his whole career. It's just the fifth time he's had double digit rushing attempts in a game first since 2017. He received a bulk of the work really when when DJ left. So it would be, like I said, his backfield. But I just, again, I just don't think he's all that good. And there's a reason he's only had double-digit carries five times in his career. It's not like he hasn't had opportunities. Houston acquired him and it was Carlos Hyde. Cleveland acquired him and it was Carlos Hyde, right? Twice Carlos Hyde took over for Duke Johnson. And Carlos Hyde is not that great himself. So not a huge Duke fan, but... Volume is everything. Wayne Gallman's on this list. 36 rushing attempts, 140 yards, 100, at least 140 yards. It's been over that over his last three games. Three TDs over that span as well. A touchdown in three straight games. Got Philly this week, then the bye, so it's a bit of a short-term thing. But he has passed Devontae Freeman. I've said that a couple times. Kalen Balaj would be next. Again, don't know about Justin Jackson. Joshua Kelly's still hanging around. It's a crowded backfield. Can we just get Austin Eckler back, please? Uh, Balaj, 15 carries, 69 yards. He scored a rushing touchdown, caught two of his three targets for 15 yards. Kelly played 52% of the snaps compared to 41% from Balaj. But Kelly, again, struggled 3.1 yards per attempt. Not, not great. He just is not efficient at all. Decent matchup against the, the Dolphins this week. Um, but again, hard to trust any of these guys, especially Kelly. It was the second straight week where he was passed on the depth chart. It was Troy Main Pope a couple weeks ago who didn't play because of a concussion. He could come back, and it's a bloody mess. But Kelly's been passed now a couple times, two straight games. Matt Breda is, I'd still rock him over Jordan Howard. Maybe he can get on the field this week and he would be more efficient than Howard, 10 for 19, but he did have the touchdown. And then Rex Burkhead in there as well, you know, up against Baltimore. I would expect they're playing from behind. Burkhead catching some passes. Looks a little bit better than James White. Harris is not the guy to catch passes. And then Malcolm Brown. I 
I don't love it, but he is getting touches more than Cam Akers. It seems like Daryl Henderson is going to be fine. You know, he left last time with a, the Rams were on the field with a, a thigh injury. Akers, Tony Pollard, Jordan Wilkins, those are the guys that I would stash. Over to wide receiver, Jacoby Myers, you know, kind of touched on him earlier. The catch prop in 2.5, uh, two weeks ago in 3.5, I hit the over on that. But for Myers, 14 targets, 12 grabs, 169 yards. I honestly didn't expect that kind of work. I thought he would get seven to eight targets, at least five or six grabs. You know, he's still widely available. There's just nobody there on that team. Myers has 30 targets, 22 grabs, and 287 yards over his past three games. 68% of his team's air yards over the last three weeks. Over 40% on Monday night against the Jets. You can't ignore that type of volume. Julian Edelman is still, you know, doesn't look like he's anywhere close to coming back. Nikhil Harry can't get separation. He doesn't look like he's all that good. So Jacoby Myers is clearly the number one. This Patriots team's not all that great, man. They're playing from behind in the Jets. They're going to play from behind on a lot of teams. Jalen Rager, I, I would go actually Myers over Rager. I think Rager has a higher ceiling. Giants this week love the schedule. Tim Patrick came back, scored a touchdown. I like Judy more, but he's owned. Patrick could have been dropped. The big play threat inside that offense. He's got the Raiders this week. Love it. Curtis Samuel, nine catches for 105, has a touchdown. 24 catches, 200 yards, four touchdowns over his past couple games. Two rushing touchdowns over that span as well. He's been he's been unreal. It's kind of ticking me off because I have some DJ Moore. DJ Moore is not getting the ball as much as Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson. And then Christian McCaffrey's there catching balls. With all of that said, I think I would sell high on Curtis Samuel if you didn't really need him. I mean, you just picked him off the waiver wire. I don't know if he's a guy you can trust. I really, I just don't know. I know that was a big week. I just don't think he is. And they got the bye week 13. So if you really need a start, it's like now is probably the time. Maybe you could flip him. Nelson Aguilar against the Broncos this week. Uh, you know, he was two for 55, three targets. Not getting a lot of looks. It's just Waller and Jacobs. It's all it is. But four touchdowns in his last five games. Mentioned the Broncos this week, Casey, Atlanta, the Jets. So the schedule looks pretty decent, but, you know, when Vegas gets up, they just run the rock. Darnell Mooney, I uh, wanted to bring him up. Uh, I, I actually like him more than Aguilar and Curtis Samuel, believe it or not. But I think, you know, Samuel is probably a bit of a higher ceiling. I just, like I said, I just don't know if I can trust him. But as for Mooney, uh, the offense is downright pathetic in Chicago, but it's clear Mooney's the number two. Uh, 57 snaps against the Titans, just six behind Allen Robinson, 14 more than Anthony Miller, 24 targets in his past three games, at least 40 yards in each of those contests and top 10 in a dot. So average depth of target. It's really hard to get excited about Mooney, but they're taking shots down the field with him and who knows like who's running the football with them and they just don't have a run game. So maybe Nick Foles will just like, maybe just needs to chuck Michael Pittman. Short week. Don't love this call. T.Y. practicing full. Probably going to come back. Don't like T.Y. or Michael Pittman, but you could be desperate. Pittman, I think, is a bit of a dart throw. Got the Titans uh, on Thursday night, so decent little matchup. MVS, I'd be hesitant with MVS. I think Alan Lazard's going to come back this week. Uh, and if Alan Lazard is out there, I would, you know, I would put him right behind Rager and Patrick. I'd rank him in there just ahead of, ahead of Mooney. And then keep an eye on Kendrick Bourne and Alshon Jeffrey. Those are just deeper leagues. I think, you know, San Fran's going to get some bodies back. But Alshon, I'm not fully into him. But deeper formats, you know, could potentially be something for you in, in the later weeks. But I highly doubt it. Tight ends, Austin Hooper. Expect him back against the Texans. Jimmy Graham against the Vikings. Logan Thomas against Detroit. Trey Burton against the Colts. Uh, or um, against Tennessee, rather. And then Jordan Reed against the Saints. If you're super de- desperate, those 
you know, all of those really, Burton Reed and then Irv Smith, if you're super, super desperate. Two against the Chargers as a stream. Drew Locke against Vegas. Five TDs in his last two games. Jake Luton against Green Bay. I don't know. I'd probably rock him over Foles and Cousins, to be honest. I think, you know, Foles and Cousins seem a little bit safer, but I think Luton's going to chuck against Green Bay, don't you? I mean, they're going to have to throw. Uh, I would rock him over Baker. Foles and Cousins, I really do feel that way. And Alex Smith. Defenses to stream Philly against Cleveland. Or Philly against uh, the Giants. They got Cleveland the next week, rather. So you might be able to hold them. Baker turns the ball over a bit. The Saints. I like the Saints this week. And then they got Atlanta next week. So maybe a hold. Their defense looked great against Tampa. They do this every year. They, they're a really good defense anyways. They're just playing brutally in the first few weeks. And now maybe they can you know, show their true colors. The Vikings... Vegas, Detroit, Miami. Those are a couple to look at. Before we get out of here, I wanted to take a look here at uh, week 10. Just some quick lines uh, before they change, before I lock in some picks with you guys a little bit later on in the week. Um, Eagles minus three and a half. That could jump up. I like that one. You know, I don't usually love the Eagles, to be honest with you. So I'm not super biased when it comes to them. I just, uh, I think that, you know, they're getting fully healthy coming off the bye. I think they'll beat the Giants. Um I was going to do Steelers six and a half, but that's one I'll stay away from. I just don't know the status of Ben. If there's no Ben, I honestly think that'll be a tight game. Uh, Saints nine and a half. I think that could rise. Uh, I like the Saints. I think that they cover. I know that's a big one. Seattle are dogs right now, plus money. I would jump on that one. Um, Or you can just, you know, be patient. I'm going to be in here picking Seattle. You can, I'll go down that road again with them. or uh, You can bet that. Uh, There was one that I really liked. Oh yeah, Ravens minus seven over the Patriots. And then the Vikings over the Bears minus three. So I I like those ones. I know it's a divisional matchup, but, you know, we could see that Ravens spread get up to seven and a half, eight and a half, maybe even push to nine. The the Pats are brutal. They're awful. So that'll do it for this episode. Any questions, a player I didn't get to, a question on your fantasy team, uh, don't be afraid to leave a comment in the YouTube section. And I failed to mention this at the start, but I will be giving away something pristine auction. I just need you guys to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Show me that you've subscribed. Give five stars, please. It'll help the show a ton. I appreciate all the feedback. Send that screenshot over to MeanStreetsFTN at gmail.com. You want a little bit more of a deeper dive into waiver wires, Matthew Davis and myself, FTN Fabcast, recording it late Tuesday. It's going to come at you a little bit later, but you know the high stakes leagues is really what we look into, and those waivers don't run until Thursday morning. And that's really what you need, or Wednesday night at midnight. That's really what you should be doing as well. I mean, you want to get those practice reports. You want your week to, or your league to... You just want it, you know, the best possible info for everybody. It, it helps everyone. So if you can just push waivers from, you know, the traditional standard three in the morning on a Wednesday to three in the morning on a, on a Thursday, I think, you know, the rest of your league will be pretty happy. I know for me spending all my money on MapRata, I would have been pretty happy in that league uh, not to have to spend my money on MapRata when I found out Wednesday that he most likely wasn't going to be able to play. On that note, I'm out of here. <laughs> Master stock tomorrow. Oh, baby. Let's go. Cheers.